Why did Okada choose me? I've stayed up many a night, wandering to the lords up above, thinking to the stars. Why did you choose me, Okada? And then I just watched the show back. I watched Fukuoka, and I just listened. I listened to how the people reacted to me, and then I listened to how the people reacted to you. People don't care anymore about you, Okada. They're finally catching on. They're finally waking up from this bad dream that has been a promotional blitz to push Kazuchika Okada down everyone's motherfucking throats. Welcome to the Pull Apart Podcast. This is Josh Heiser here with... And, and, and this is James Prophet. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. I was going to do Jim Ross and, and the champion uh, Kazuchika Okada. I will say, uh, what, what's his name? Um, I'm really, it's way better than I'm making it out to be Don, from him. Don, Don Callis, is that his name? Yeah. Said some really weird... Like sounding version pronunciation, like Kazuchika or something else. Like just what? attribute uh, Don Callis's commentary and the second match we're going to talk about tonight. I might scream out GD it at some point. <laughs> he also yells uh, JC a few times. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, like that's right. Twice in a row. Like, right. <laughs> so we are anyway. here to talk about part two, match two. Yeah. of the Omega Okada. Feud. I was gonna say trilogy, but it's not a trilogy, James. Yeah, it's what's the it's Japanese term? Trilogy. I know in it's Japan. A is that what it's called? No, that's a Who okay. album. I didn't think it was. Yeah, in Japan, the um, story structure is different than in America. Like in America, no. our story structure is like you know, like Act One, Act Two, Act Three, essentially. And plays are just Act One, Act Two. But if you break it down into screenwriting you know there's like a first act a second act and a third act essentially right well in japan it's a four act structure you would think i would know that (laughs) so we are talking about the second act of the four act play Well, that makes sense it's uh gonna be a bummer when they have a fifth act and they ruin that symmetry there (laughs) so anyway yeah the match we're gonna talk about uh kazuchika okada versus kenny omega Part two, this match is famous for getting a higher rating than the match five months prior, which was up to then that point the highest rated match of all time, according to wrestling critic Dave Meltzer. Indeed. I think it was 6.25, James. Yeah. Splitting hairs. Yeah, the first one was six because he said it's better than all the five star matches that he's ever seen. And then this one was like, this one was just a bit better, I think, than the first one. So, So, jumping ahead, James. 
Do you agree? No. You but, do not. But I love it. But no, I don't I couldn't agree. remember all the way back to the end of the decade episode. Yeah, end of the decade, I gave the first match my match of the decade. I was, I was wondering that today because I couldn't remember if it was one or two because I was telling James before we started, the second match I feel like is way better than I remembered one or three being okay so it's it's jumped up there i know people are dying to know our ranking order of <laughs> right four matches but so this one is um a little different than the first so the first mm-hmm. one is kind of the one that brought everybody into it right they saw new japan for the first time through this match but this is six months later we'll get to the build up but it's six months later so, the essentially the world is watching live this time, whereas before everybody came to it after the fact. Right, and we'll talk about what make the two, makes the two matches different, why Josh might like it better, and I do not. Um, it's a great match, though. It's a worthy, worthy successor to the first, no matter what your opinion on is on better or worse. All right, Josh, you want to dive into the feud, start this up. Sure. So, so the first one and the first match ended. Um, Omega lost, and in J- in New Japan, it's kind of like you generally have to build yourself back up to get another shot. It's not yeah. always an immediate rematch, um, that kind of thing. Like a like ongoing, you know, back and forth matches for two months kind of deal. And generally in wwe what we all know there's a storyline thing where a title has to be defended at least once a month unless you're brock lesnar and so in new japan that's not the case there might be about six to eight title defenses a year it's kind of an ambitious one yeah but generally there is uh wrestle kingdom their wrestlemania type show which is in january the champion will face somebody at a is it Invasion Attack? Is that what it's called? The event in February or March? So there's Duntaku. Okay. They'll fight the winner of the New Japan Cup, yep. which is a tournament in the first quarter of the year. And then they'll defend at Dominion, which is the event we're going to talk about. And then maybe one or two more times going into the Wrestle Kingdom event the following January. Yep. So it, it's not often, you know. It, it it's like you're really um, I don't know I feel like people really pay attention to them because it's not like every week on TV you know yeah it's a, it's almost like boxing or UFC where it's like oh hey this is it's been three months it's about time for you know they've been training all of that fun stuff and uh-huh. it's time for a, a new challenger right and the Brock matches you know I'm not a big fan of the Brock Reigns at this point. Um, not and not to be confused with Brock Reigns as in Brock Roman, which some people were also not a big fan of. Right. But at first, I really liked it because no matter who his match was against, it felt like a big deal. And I'm cool not having the champion there every week. I prefer that actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's a different different mindset, you know, different mindset of having spreading out title defenses more. So we get to. Um... So right away, I want to... Sorry. Okay. After this match happens, again, fans are flipping out. In Japan, in America, this was such an amazing title match. It kind of blew everybody's mind, okay? Logically, from a um, 
non-kayfabe standpoint, mm-hmm. you think, okay, that was so good that if you're an American wrestling fan, they're going to get to that rematch ASAP while it's hot, right. right? Cash in. Cash in. But in Japan, that's not really how things work. They will intentionally, and this is the way they book their promotions, hold off on things until they feel like it's the exact right moment. WWE does this sometimes, like they held off on Hogan and Savage famously for about two years. You know, they held off um, a Jake face turn until they felt it was the right moment, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, And there are other examples like that. But generally in WWE, if it's hot, cash in now because it might not be there later. Right. And it gets criticized, but sometimes I feel like it makes sense. Like, Kofi at WrestleMania, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, where it's like, you don't know if the crowd is still going to care about this in six months, so you might as well um, not waste it. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so people are flipping out over this match, and they establish the next challenger for, for Okada, which I think is Minoru Suzuki. Mm-hmm. And essentially, this is going on while this tournament called the New Japan Cup is starting to form. So what happens with the New Japan Cup is that it's a tournament with the top competitors in New Japan, and the winner gets to face the champion in a title match. Okay, Kenny Omega is Wait, in this. Their tournament makes um, has like real consequences. Dreams right, as it's opposed... not a crown and a throne, <laughs> like the King of the Ring, <laughs> and then the winner gets buried for ten months. Yep. <laughs> So Kenny Omega's in the tournament, and as an American fan, and they have a lot of new American fans now, you'd think, okay, Omega's going to win. But first swerve, he loses in the first round of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. And so that happens while all this is going on. One of the things... Actually, Josh, do you want to talk about this real quick? Well, I just was... My my next thing was just going to be the people that Okada defeated before Omega. So if you have Okay, yeah, so go into that, yeah. So he so he defeats Suzuki, he defeats Shibata in a match of the year candidate. <laughs> yep, and, one of your boys. Um, bad luck, Fale, Fale, however you say that. <laughs> um, but three, three people, and like you said, in that span of time, that's kind of more than usual. Yes. Really, it's establishing, like, Okada didn't just you know squeak through Kenny and like is is falling apart and is possible possibly going to lose his belt anytime soon mm-hmm. he's beating everybody the top contenders in the promotion right and him kind of having this for Japan breakneck pace where he defended the belt three times in four months or four times in five months if you want to count the Kenny match in January that's about to become a plot point uh, which we'll get into in our next episode or maybe at the tail end of this one. But, yeah, Okada... And again, when he's not defending the title, he's wrestling in the main event almost every night right. in a tag match or a six-man match with his stablemates in chaos. So he's working around the clock, and he's always turning in a brilliant performance. Yep. He's one of those, as we'll see in this match, I feel like, who just always makes everybody in the ring look amazing, no matter what's going on right. with his selling. His selling, I feel like... Watching the set, the second match, I put him up there like with Sean and whoever else is 
<laughs> right. up there with uh, the best sellers of all time. So there are a couple of matches we wanted to cover just real quick before the um, rematch at Dominion. One of them is a six-man tag. If you have New Japan World, it's um, Mark and Jay Briscoe, Okada, or an eight-man tag. Mark and Jay Briscoe, Kazuchika Okada, and Will Ospreay against the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Cody, all from the Bullet Club. What's key here is that in the last seven, seven to ten minutes of the match, uh, Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada, for the first time since Wrestle Kingdom, end up in the same ring together. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, there's no real story going on with them, like on television. It's just understood, like, that was an amazing match. Right. Okay, so when they end up in the ring, like in the last seven minutes or so of the match, the crowd lights up. It's kind of one of these, like, Hogan and Warrior staring each other down Mm -hmm. at the Rumble. And it's like, oh, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we were hoping for. When they end up in the ring together, finally, at the end of that match, after, like, a month and a half, two months away from each other, the crowd lights up. They start applauding. And at that point, if you didn't know as an audience member... You guys better call somebody. (laughs) You know, okay, the public's feeling like I'm feeling, I want more Omega Okada. Yeah, more of this, basically. Yes. What I thought about, like, with these tags, I also thought about, um, after watching the third one, is, you know, we, we didn't put them as the feud of the decade, but we both had... They were on each of our lists. We both had their lists for best wrestlers of the decade. And what I love about them two together is they can do it all, right? So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the f- the first match I feel like, and this is spoiling, but who cares? The, f- the first match <laughs> I feel like is them showing, like, the technical wrestling at, like, peak, right? Okay. Everything is crisp, you know, everything lands perfect. So, well. It's ridiculous how it's like, like, Brett and Mr. Perfect, like, just It's the solid, art of solid, professional solid. wrestling. Right. Yeah. Uh, the second one, which we'll get into tonight, is like just an all-out war, right? Mm-hmm. An hour long, like just almost like <laughs> Brett and Bulldog, like at you know where they're all bloodied and everything. I mean, yeah, just just that kind of wrestling. And the third one is more like um, gritty, like one-sided, you know, just beat-down kind of match. These tag matches show if it's you know eight, six, whatever it is. They can do anything. They can make any kind of match entertaining. Yes, yeah. And make you really give a crap when you're watching it. They can, yeah. And again, like, these matches, they'll... It's classic storytelling across the world. They'll tease it out and then give you the big moment at the end. They yes. climax with the, the hot tag. Time, right, the hot tag. And it's finally like, okay, Omega Okada, we get it finally. They do a handful of these between um, the match in January and where we're going in June. And same formula. There's actually one I want to really recommend. It's from June 9th, 2017. It's Okada, Rocky Romero, and Trent Beretta, who Beretta you might know if you're a WWE fan. Versus Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Again, 6'9", 2017. It's just a really fun six-man tag match. It's only like 12 minutes long, yeah. I think. But like the Bucks and Kenny Omega do all their goofy spots. They Do you want to explain like the two boots, four boots thing that they do as a team? <laughs> yeah, so that that was their... So we're um, talking Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks here. It's not the super kick stuff, right? It's no, the, like, there's the... Yeah, there's an American wrestling their... spot, right? Yeah. Where, like, 
in oh, a yeah. tag team match, you know, some guy will put his foot, like his boot, just above the top rope when he's outside the ring, and then his partner will yeah. tag him, and they'll like ram their opponent's head into it's the like guy's one boot. Last move before they tag it. Right, tag yeah. Yeah, and so... So for this, they just do the thing, but times whatever that would be. So times four, right? So they jump up on the apron, or up on the like top rope, mm-hmm. where they have four, like four feet at the edge of the the ring post. And they'll build it up sort of like the New Day used to uh, stomp a guy to the trombone scales that yeah. Xavier Wilson played the trombones. They do the stomp, 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 stomp. They'll do it where like they'll do it to the one boot, okay, and then tag out. And then the guy will yell like, or the crowd might start chanting two boots, two boots. Yep. And then one boot from each guy in the six-man tag, yeah. each partner will stick up one boot. And then they'll round it into two boots. And then the crowd will start chanting four boots. And then I, they'll tag, and each guy will hold up both his boots on the turnbuckle. It's more of a, a Ring of Honor thing than it is New Japan, right? Right. the New Japan crowd doesn't always get into that. I think when we saw them, they did like eight boots or something stupid. Yeah, they, they did like eight boots, something, ten, something ten ridiculous. Boots, yeah, um, <laughs> and what that's also like these earlier matches are kind of show is what we're building towards with a friendship of the Bucks and Kenny, right? Yes. So, for those that don't know, there's a show on YouTube that the Young Bucks started years ago called Being the Elite that just followed them around, followed their um, air travels and hotels and all that fun stuff. It was mostly those two, and then Kenny um, here and there. And then slowly added more and more, but it was just kind of showing us that they're best friends in real life and, you know, on the characters show. on the show. So. Yes. All right. So what happens? Okada has, you know, these three more title defenses. Kenny loses in the first round of the tournament. He avenges that loss and he's just sort of floundering like he because he lost in the first round. Everybody knows he's still an elite wrestler. He's definitely world title picture, but it's understood by the way Japan, New Japan, you know, writes their company. He's not going to be the top contender. Right. And so Dominion uh, is the second biggest show of the year in New Japan. It's Mm -hmm. in June. And Okada... It's like the Unforgiven of New Japan. (laughs) Maybe the SummerSlam might be a better... (laughs) So, Okada, essentially, he wins the title match, I believe, right? And he talks about, you know, Dominion's coming up. And he, if I remember this correctly, yes, no, this is it for sure. Okada calls out Kenny Omega. And he, you know, says, how about Dominion, we do this one more time. Okay? And... Is, sorry, is that this one? I was thinking it was the third one, but you're right. It is. It's the well, the fourth one, right? It's also the fourth one. Okay. Yeah, so Okada... You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Okada calls out Omega. He beat him in January, and he says, all right, Kenny, let's do this again. <clears throat> now, Kenny is the heel, okay? Right. Okada is the fighting face of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Kenny accepts he's not going to turn down a title shot, but the way he takes this as a character is fantastic. Yeah. Josh, you want to go into this? Well, so for for Okada, what I was going to say is it's like they go and they say this a little bit on commentary for the second episode, the second match, 
is, you know, the from the six star thing, right? Mm-hmm. The whole world's talking about Kenny Omega. Is it like, is it because like he can speak English and America can speak English, and that's who they latch on to, or is it he's the better wrestler, he's the more entertaining wrestler, blah blah blah. blah. So it's kind of getting into Okada's head. I feel like, um, you know, we both were in that match. I won the match. Why is everybody talking about Kenny Omega? Um, you know, like I said, with the being the elite, like his shirt starts selling like crazy. All this stuff, he's just getting publicity Kenny Omega's, everywhere. Yeah, and Okada's just kind of like, dude, I'm I'm the one holding this down. I just beat <laughs> Shibata and. Suzuki and you know some other guy yeah and there's this cool translated interview with Okada where he backs it up he says like I know everybody thinks we had a great match but I've had a lot of great matches I don't necessarily feel like that one was more special than the other ones but it seems to be what people want so I'm willing to give it to them yeah and again that is the face of the company kind of doing two things number one saying like okay I'm going to cater to the fans to give them what they want but number two I beat this guy I don't really have anything to prove here. I kind of like think. I'm tired of hearing about him. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. Who's the next and, challenger that you know? And it is funny because, like, at least in America, like Okada was the champion. This match was super famous, but it was Kenny Omega that was the talk yeah. of American wrestling fans here. And like you said, it might be the English speaking thing. But I brought up Ryan, you know, watching the match in the middle of it, said so like Omega could main event WrestleMania. He's it's hard to describe how good Kenny Omega was during this three-year stretch of 16, 17, and 18. And I do I do think some of it, too, is just the character that Okada was playing mm-hmm. is not as, like, um, bandwagon-y. Like, it's not as easy to jump on, like... Yeah! I mean, aside from just loving his actual wrestling, you're not just like, oh, yeah, you know, it feels it feels false to be like, I, I relate so much to the face of this company that I've never watched before. Whereas Kenny, it's like, oh yeah, he is a Canadian, which is like super wrestling. And <laughs> he goes there as it feels like as one of us, like, you know, bringing North American wrestling to Japan. I feel like it's a little bit more identifiable as a, speaking as an American, mm-hmm. like obviously there's other wrestling fans um, in the world, but... As far as popularity, you know, Meltzer is here. Yeah. <laughs> WWE is here, all of that. So I think that played a big part in it. I think you're right. And to kind of piggyback off that, I'm going to compare Okada and Omega to Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas Okada, sort of like Bret Hart, is sort of this even keeled low-key wrestler who just happens to be willing to fight everybody and might be the best one on the planet. Kenny Omega, uh, more comparative to Shawn Michaels, also might be the best on the planet, but he's a lot more emotional. So he'll show a lot more personality in a match than Okada is. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Brett and Okada are always like, you see them fighting Dude. so hard. And Shawn and Kenny, you see them having fun, goofing off, but then also wowing you with some of the most athletic, impressive things you've ever seen. Athletically impressive. I don't know how that's that comparison is spot on, James. Like the professional versus like the the young brass, you know, maverick. You know, <laughs> um, 
That's crazy. And they're both, you know, both meaning Brett and Sean, and mm-hmm. both are equally amazing. Like, yes. Like, we've joked forever. Like, I jokingly don't like Brett because of Sean, but Brett is... He's like, also top, in your top ten of top all time. Yeah, like, he's up there, so... Um, same with Okada. These That second match that we're <laughs> eventually going to talk about, <laughs> I was just like in love with him like he's just incredible so he really is um i guess it makes sense that some of the greatest matches of all time both wrestlers are really good yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we talked about okada's feelings um as a character why he issued this challenge to kenny omega kenny omega's reaction to this is i've never seen something like this before so i thought it was super fresh i thought it was really cool too He has this amazing 21-minute sit-down interview. Um, Amazing if you're... Okay, I shouldn't say amazing. It's very good. Uh, And it has some really great quotes in it. But it's on YouTube. Um, It's on our playlist, which... What do we call our playlist this time? I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. I'm sorry. Oh, you couldn't find it? That's us. I don't know, like... Is it... This doesn't have to be on the podcast, but is it under your name? It's Kenny like, vs. Okada. It's James P. Yeah. Oh, okay. You should just subscribe to me. That's what I should do. Yeah. yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> All these videos I say will be there. <laughs> Easier. Okay. So the interview is called Kenny Omega Amazing Promo on Kazuchika Okada. It's 20 minutes and 22 seconds long. Okay. So... And he has another couple of promos I couldn't find on YouTube, but I've seen where he talks about this, essentially. And he says, in this interview, he questions, why did Okada give me a title shot? We had one of the greatest matches of all time. Some people are saying the greatest match of all time. Does that mean I should get another title shot? I lost that match. I and I And it wasn't controversial. I just lost. So... He said, I've lost sleep. I've had many nights where I just laid awake and tossed and turned and laid awake and laid awake and I couldn't sleep, wondering why he picked me to get a second title shot. And it finally dawned on me. He realizes he's the paper champion, the corporate-made champion that I've said he is all along, and he needs me, somebody who's exciting like me, to justify his length as champion because without me he's nothing and omega also says you know i fought you in january i gave you the best match i could you beat me so i'm changing the game um he said he put on did he say he was like 10 kilos did he say yeah some muscle mass some random yeah yeah of lean muscle he said like i'm changing my physical appearance they say stone <laughs> like, yeah, yeah maybe it was some stones. weird thing yeah i forget which <laughs> measurement of weight he used yeah i think it was stones yeah and he said you know like in the first match you had the angle we're going in we talked about kenny giving okada the one week angel through a table in this match, in the in this interview, Kenny says, I'm not doing anything to you. I want you to show up healthy. Right. I want you to be 100%. I don't want you to have any excuses. And yeah. when I beat you, it will be beating you at your best. So there's not going to be a need for another rematch, Okada. I beat you. I'm the champion. And between us, it's over. 
Yeah, there were a few times where, like in the past, it made sense that maybe he would come out and have like the Bullet Club attack Okada or something like that, and he's just not doing anything like that this time. Yeah, he wants it to be like you said, <laughs> that Christmas percent healthy, you know. So he has no excuses for when he beats him at Dominion. Yeah, and this is a shift in the Kenny Omega character, whereas before he wanted to be the champion. And now slightly different than wanting to be the champion, he wants to be the best in the world. So he's brought up, he said, like, there were people that have beaten you, Okada. AJ Styles beat you. But he needed a uh, outside interference to do it. He, I forget who AJ had. He said Naito beat you, but he had to use Sonata. He needed outside interference. No one's ever beaten you one on one. And maybe I'm dumb. Did he just forget about? But him? I want to be that guy. Okay. I want to be the guy that beats you one on one. Like Tanahashi beat him fair, didn't he? I mean, I, th- I mean, he yes, he like did during his like most recent. Yeah, not during the. Well, no, because like he's talking about old title rounds, so yeah, he's just not counting Tanahashi, yeah. I guess. He's a god. <laughs> oh man, if we ever do that Omega Tanahashi, that would just be a quick episode, I guess. But yeah, yeah. All right. So anyway, Kenny Omega doesn't think he deserves the title shot. He says Okada gave it to me because Okada felt like he had no choice because he knows his reign is only as it's at its most exciting when I'm in the mix. Right. Which is true. <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, not that it's not exciting though without him, you know, it's just it's at another level when he's involved. Right, yeah. But um, I do like like you're saying like his spin on it. You know, I feel like his promos are underrated sometimes because people think like he's just such a goofball. Mm-hmm. But he comes up with stuff like like, New Japan, I don't think, like, they're not handing them as many pre, like, scripted promos and everything. Like, he comes up with a lot of this stuff on his own. And this is just a one-of-a-kind response to a big-time, you know, WrestleMania-type loss to the champion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, again, kind of... can uh, We like to talk about symmetry a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, foreshadowing... Uh, we're going to talk about for a second here. Kenny saying, Okada, you need me to justify your title reign. Keep this in mind for when we talk about the fourth match. Because there's a really cool go-home segment with Kazuchika Okada um, that we're going to touch on later. But where essentially he agrees to this point a year later. And again, it, it's cool that... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one year earlier, Kenny saying this as an accusation, and a year later, Okada's almost begrudgingly accepted it, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right, so, Josh, yeah, what else do you want to talk about going into Dominion? Did we touch on everything? Yeah, I had a thought. I don't know if it's worth... What you were talking about, James, with the um, stuff that will come into play a year from now or two years, like, you don't... The thing is, like, when you say that, you kind of feel like, oh, man, do I have to, like, pay attention this close and, like, know all these little things that, like, for it to be good. And you don't. Like, the the matches are that good without knowing all of the stuff. Like, I feel like if I showed this to my brother, like, who doesn't follow this, like, he would think this match is amazing without knowing promos and all that fun stuff. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. The the dumb example that is in my head just from playing it today is like, 
Mario levels, right? Like, <laughs> you what can game play, you, what's it called? Super, um, Mario? Super Mario Maker 2. It was okay. like, you know, you play this amazing Mario level and it's all awesome, right? And so I made one today for my kid and there's hidden le- hidden things, right? So I didn't want to tell him about any of them. Okay. But he's playing it and he loves the, the level and it's over, he beats it and I'm like, yeah, but there was like this hidden thing over there and this hidden thing over there and there's this hidden thing over there that you didn't find. Um, but it's like he can go back through again and play it again and find all those little things. And I feel like that's how this is. Like, You're not missing anything by not knowing all the ins and outs of all of the, you know, it's a Japanese culture, like twist to it and like all of the, you know, stuff we're talking about with, um, you have to remember this a year from now when they have their fourth match. It's just, it's good. It's an enhancer. Right. Yeah. Like, if you get a steak with no baked potato, it's still a steak. It's amazing. Yeah. But if you got the baked potato there, too, man, even better. Steak and Super Mario. (laughs) Steak and (laughs) Super Mario. So, yeah, uh, the final point I want to bring up in this Kenny Omega promo, he says, in their first match, he wanted to, he came out to a Terminator theme because he said, I wanted to be the unstoppable cyborg that ran right through you but you were the cyborg because you have no personality boom roasted yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) and he said like you wrestle the same match all the time he said i wouldn't even be surprised if your moveset was chosen by your corporate overlords (laughs) your marketing team he says like when i go out and have a match and this is kenny the heel this right. is sort of like the yep. beginning of an organic face turn he says when i go out and have a match i cater it to my fans i cater it to the crowd i cater it to my opponent so it's different every time whereas with you rinse wash repeat mm-hmm. you are the cyborg and i'm gonna bring life to this title it's great because you can like find the truth in it where it's like yeah he does have like the dropkick and the X, you know, all these other things to where you're like, you're, you're but also like every wrestler has like, yeah, their set right. Moves, like yeah. it's just kind of like a twist on it. Um, I was thinking about it, James. I, I have to be honest. I'm going to credit a, another podcast from this idea. Uh, since we never plug any podcasts, what podcast <laughs> well, this is, is a it? random one, but it's called WrestleSplania. Okay. No, I, I don't, don't know, know that one. Know. It's this girl who is obsessed with wrestling explaining to another, her, other girlfriend um who doesn't know anything about wrestling okay basically just different famous matches or famous feuds and stuff That's like cool. that um so wrestlesplania hence the name so they had one on omega and okada okay and the way that she described okada is the best version of randy orton which i think Ooh. is like spot on that's a really good way to do he it does have like he's like the 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 corporate champion the somewhat um no personality champion okay but like you it's kind of i feel like it's different with okada because like if you follow it and you know him outside of like he has a really goofy silly personality and like has a is real charismatic whereas randy orton is just playing himself <laughs> right um <laughs> no that wrestle splenia that reminds me of a uh podcast that i actually just got exposed to i've mentioned in our decade episode i like rbr weekly wrestling talk for 
a podcast that covers week to week events in wrestling. They have a Patreon, and so it's like five bucks a month. And I paid five bucks to sample it. I downloaded a bunch of old stuff and then canceled it. I, I'm sure I'll get it again later. But one of the things they do is a show called This Is Your Wife. And so it's one of the four hosts, and he talks to his wife, and he'll explain old wrestling stuff, and they'll watch old wrestling matches, and she'll just kind of chime in with, yeah, but that's really, you know, with her opinion as an outsider, like, that's really cool, or this was sort of weird, you know, whatever it is. And it's a really great listen. Yeah, I'm going to check out WrestleSplain. We're going to steal that idea someday with just basically just friends that don't watch wrestling. Yeah, we, yeah, our friend, uh, our friends Bill and Matt had this idea like five months ago to like do an episode where they watch a match and then try to create the story of the match without knowing any of the angle to it. And then we kind of explain it later. And so we're hoping to get that done in the next month. We just talked about that before this, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I think it'd be funny to do, like, I don't know. We had different ideas where it's, like, pick one of the greatest matches of all time or pick one of the weirdest matches of all time. (laughs) Right. We went with the latter, but we might go with the former later on. Well, Nick, our friend Nick, who is a wrestling fan, uh, wanted to do um, not necessarily... He definitely wants to watch all these matches, which I want him to see. I want to watch them yeah. with him if we can, just because that'd be so much fun. Nick's idea was to make a list of like the 10 most exciting matches of all time, show them to people that have never watched them before, and just kind of get their reactions. All right, teams. So we're at Dominion. Okay, we're it's at June. Dominion. Yeah, no special entrance from Kenny this time. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, the video... He's all business. Yeah, he's all business. The pre-match video is not translated into English, which annoyed me. Yeah. You know, not translated into English. Um, But Kenny, at one point, says, like, do you understand what it's like to be an elite athlete in the world? And what's kind of unsaid is, I think he finishes that with, and have to swallow that you're looked at as second best. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to correct that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at Dominion. Uh, One of the cool things I wanted to talk about, man, the champion's entrance at Dominion. Now, do they only do this at Dominion or is it every show? I feel like I've seen that at Wrestle Kingdom before. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's at, like, Power Struggle or whatever, but I think they do have it at Wrestle Kingdom and Dominion. Cool. So what they do is they'll introduce the challenger, or do they? Do, I think it's before yeah. the match, actually, right? No, they do the challenge. It, I, yeah. However, it is I can't remember. either before the champion so or cool. before we the can't match. Remember it, right? <laughs> <laughs> what they do is they'll play this kind of music, and on the giant video wall at the back of the entrance, they'll show pictures of every world champion in New Japan history, or as it's called, IWGP. The International Wrestling Grand Prix pre-champion. Yep. Uh, every guy that's ever held the title, they'll show a picture of him with the belt in a video until they get to the current champion, and then that guy's music will hit and the current champion will walk out. It's yeah. just sort of this cool, like, yeah, all we've been through, all this history, right. and it's this really subtle way to make whoever the champion is seem like a top guy. Well, like, it's the thing, you're putting him on the same level as the legends right. of your company. And it's a, it's the thing we talked about before where it's not a every night, every other week occurrence, you know? Right. It really does remind me of UFC where it's like, oh my god, like, you can feel like the uh, <laughs> electricity, like, it's like... This never happens. This is... Um, it's special. Special. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not... Whatever. We no, just, yeah. One just... of the reasons UFC got so popular, not only, uh, I think, 
I, I almost call them characters and to a certain extent yeah. they are, but they're athletes um, would compete sparingly. Mm-hmm. So when you had like an Anderson Silva or a Brock Lesnar come out or a GSP or Ronda Rousey, if you're a wrestling yeah. fan, you definitely know her more recently. It always felt like, Oh, this is good. You know, like okay. their entrance alone would give you goosebumps. Yeah. So, sorry this is it's like their um motto or whatever it's called is their tagline is like the king of sports yes and it and it's we've talked about it before but they treat it as a sport in new japan so it has that same feeling yeah no yeah and again we talked about this in the first match you know the new japan logo during okada's entrance okada equals new japan new japan equals okada the roll of champions happens and then okada comes out so once again okada represents the legacy of new japan the legacy of new japan is represented by okada yep and Kenny is trying to change all this. You know, his catchphrase is change the world. Mm-hmm. He's trying to take it to America. He wants to be the face that does what, it. What I think is interesting about this one, too, is the crowd is kind of split, right? Yeah. So, like, in the first one, they're just all about Okada. And as, like, it's weird because it's still a mostly 99% Japanese crowd. Mm-hmm. But as, like, the world is falling in love with Kenny Omega, they are as well. And it's a lot slower because they're just, you know, Okada's the guy. But the crowd is kind of split. You hear cheers and boos on both sides. Yeah, and uh, this match is in Osaka. One of the cool things about Japan that has caught on in America, cities will have personalities in their crowd, okay? So Osaka likes the rebels, kind of. Like, they like the Bullet Club. They like uh, Naito. And his sort of like anti-respect sort of character, you know. Um, it's kind of like this the Phil- thing to Philadelphia. Mention. Yeah, like in America, like Philadelphia likes hardcore stuff. They'll boo like pretty yeah. boy baby faces. Yeah. New York City, if you are a quality pro wrestler, they'll cheer you. If you are not, they will boo you based on your talent level. Toronto will intentionally boo every good guy and cheer every bad guy just as an inside joke. And then the Midwest usually goes along, cheer the faces, boo the heels. Chicago, if you're... Again, they just chant CM Punk the entire time. Yeah, they'll time. chant CM Punk. And again, they will... Again, they're a critical city. If you're a good wrestler with promos or matches, they'll cheer you. And if you're only okay, they'll amuse themselves with their chants. You know, they'll chant whatever. Yeah. So all that to say, Japan and the cities have their own personality. This one is coming around on Kenny Omega. And they like Okada too, but maybe they're ready for a change. So one thing they, they kind of bring up again in this in the commentary, which was a carryover from the first matches, the one winged angel, right? So yes, Kenny could not hit the one winged angel in they, the first match. Yeah, almost immediately they bring up like if he hits that, it's over because at this point he's never hit it on him, and no a, one's ever kicked out of it if right. they have been hit with it. Yeah. During Okada's entrance to the ring, we mentioned his second is Gato, kind of the bookie. Mm. So the commentary team's different. They lost um, the guy that used to be a wrestler, uh, Steve Crino, to the WWE. Not to commentate, but Steve Carino went to WWE to help train guys in NXT. And so they replaced him with a gentleman named Don Callis, 
who is from Kenny Omega's hometown. Mm-hmm. He played the Jackal character in WWE. Mm-hmm. And he... Um, he he kind of leans into this thing that he's known him forever. Yeah, and apparently that's true. Like, apparently when Kenny started, he was one of the guys that met him and went like, hey, I'll let you wrestle on my car. They're, yeah. Yeah. Which, I, I remember seeing, like, an interview with him once. Like, it it wasn't really that, like, it's not like they've been Yeah, it's not like they're best friends, since. but that's how they play it up on the show. Yeah. He, I think at one point he says something like, um... If New Japan wanted a fair commentator, <laughs> they shouldn't have put me on here when my family's right, in the ring. Yeah. So, almost like a Bobby Heenan kind of feel, where it's just so ridiculous. Right. Um, I did love um, when Okada's having his insurance, I brought up Gato being there. <laughs> Callus kind of... <laughs> pointedly says i hear gato's got a new oh no kevin kelly says like okada classy champion you know he's got the suits he drives a mm-hmm. ferrari and then the cows goes i hear gato's got an even bigger ferrari than okada oh. <laughs> i didn't catch that one yeah yeah like he's taking advantage of him and using okada yeah. and kelly goes if he does he keeps it in the garage right yeah i heard that <laughs> i was thinking he was coming out omega that's funny i missed that yeah um yeah, they, they say something about him having a $300,000 car, which is like the uh, just the whole thing of him being super rich. Um, yeah, they call this on commentary the most anticipated rematch in wrestling history, which is not true, but in some ways it's not necessarily untrue either. Yeah. yeah, it is up there. Um, if you want to just like anticipate it for match quality, I'd say... Sean Taker 2 for WrestleMania 26, and this Omega Okada 2 would be the two matches in the conversation, like most anticipated rematches, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, one followed through and one didn't. Yes. So Callus, again, he hits the note that Okada needs Omega to justify his reign as a corporate champion, which is a great one-line summary of Omega's side of this argument as to why Okada gave him a title shot here at all. And Conversely, James, mm-hmm. the the thing we're talking about where Okada doesn't understand why everybody's talking about Omega, he, yes. I think it's, um, yeah, Kevin Kelly brings up, prior to their six-star match, Omega, or Okada has had five five-star matches, whereas Omega's only ever had one which was against Naito. Yeah, um, we talk about wrestling ratings a lot on this show. That's something that's never actually talked about in wrestling. It's just a fan thing, mm-hmm. right? But it's interesting that that six-star rating was such a big deal that in the English-speaking commentary, they know exactly who their audience is. Right. Like, we've got all these new fans because of that Dave Meltzer rating. Yep. We're speaking to them, man. Yeah, we're, they're saying... Hey, I understand you, you latched on to this, but don't forget that Okada is the man. Yes. So. And also, real-life foreshadowing can sometimes affect a show, right? Mm. So I recall when... Um, let me think of a, of a good example here. Okay. The Rock and John Cena, their second match, WrestleMania 29. The pay-per-view the next month was in Chicago. And so The Rock was scheduled for that show. Which definitely made it seem like... And The Rock didn't make that show. He, like, broke some ribs. He couldn't do it. Okay. But it definitely put that main event at WrestleMania 29 more in question. Because the logical outcome was Cena winning, which he did. But it definitely made it think when you saw that rumor, like, 
well, maybe Rock's going to win. Maybe they'll hold off on the title change for another right. month, right? So the real-life implication of this match, they are going to the United States for the first time one month after this match, yep. which makes you think Kenny Omega is going to be the guy that they're going to put the belt on because he's going to draw the big crowd. Right. It, it made so much sense. Like, yeah. Like but, you said, cash in while the iron, what is it, freaking strike yeah, while, while the iron's, iron's hot. hot. Yeah. <laughs> cash in while the, in while the hay is due. Yeah. <laughs> Just mix all the metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, to spoil the ending, right. that's not what happens. Sure. Omega does not win here. The match ends in a 60-minute draw. Dun, dun, dun. So, let's go over some stuff from the match, okay? Sure. Um, so, Okada tweaks his knee early. <sighs> yeah, we got to talk about the leg selling. The one criticism of this match is that Okada hurts his knee, yeah, and he sells it for like 15 minutes, and then he just stops selling his leg. Is that a criticism of the match? That's a cri- that's like, yeah, the one repeated criticism of this match is uh, that Okada's... Right. <laughs> well, it's not alone, too. Like, in the Hogan Warrior match... There's a spot where, like, Hogan injures his leg, and then a couple minutes later, maybe like five minutes later, he just stops selling it. And Jesse, no, Jesse, either Jesse or Gorilla say, like, you know, that can happen. Your kneecap gets sort of, like, you know, knocked out of place, and something just snap it right back in. Yeah. Gorilla covering for Hogan's bad selling. Well, I, (sighs) maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But I can't. If they have a line that covers that, and I think they do, but it's not accentuated enough. So that one criticism aside, the other big story about this match is, again, Omega said he wanted to beat Okada to prove that he's better. Mm -hmm. The way Omega wrestles this match is different than how he wrestled the first match. So the example of Kenny wanting to be better than Okada Mm -hmm. is... In this match, the counter to the Rainmaker that Okada does, that sh- pull-in clothesline, that's his finisher, is different. So at Wrestle Kingdom, if Okada went for the Rainmaker, Kenny would jerk his arm away, he'd throw forearms, he'd throw knees, he'd kick, and it was a very aggressive counter to the Rainmaker. And this match, where he wants to out-wrestle Okada, when Okada goes for it, he'll duck down to one knee and try and get behind him to do a move. And so it's a little thing, but it shows that instead of trying to outfight Okada, he's trying to out-wrestle Okada. And they repeat that spot like three or four times in this match, and it's a consistent theme through the next three matches. Like, Kenny style has changed from the first match. He wants to beat Okada fair and square. But you said that's a criticism, though? No, no. The criticism is Okada's selling of his leg. Okay, gotcha. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I want to compliment Kenny's counter to the Rainmaker because that's great storytelling. Yeah, it's him um, learning from his mistakes, right? He used that first method in the first match and lost. Um, So he's adapting um, for the second match. Um, I also want to bring up... uh, during this like 20 minutes where Okada's got this knee injury, Kenny Omega does this amazing thing where he springboards off the top rope, flies through the air, and drop kicks Okada's knee dead on it's target. So good. The yeah. Well, that's why the I was precision is amazing. Surprised that anybody would criticize that part of the the knee stuff just because they 
they do it so well i guess it is for whatever like 20 minutes or so and they move on but there's just like three or four spots where omega is just i feel like like stone cold always did this different people you know that it's like i think they even said on the commentary like he smelled blood in the water like Mm -hmm. found something that happened and now he's just going after that knee so he does one where he um what does he do? Does he, is that where he does the moonsault off the top rope? And Onto the knee? Well, when he just does that, I th- there's a few things, but that, that dropkick is insane. Yeah, um, I don't think anybody criticizes how he attacks the knee. It's just the way Okada stops, stops. selling the knee. Yep. Yeah. Which, again, that's your mileage may vary on that. That right. doesn't bother everybody. I did want to mention uh, also... One thing about this feud, in every match, both guys do a lot of little things just to make it look like they're trying so hard to win. Mm-hmm. You know, when they hook a leg, it's not like a lazy grab the leg. Like, right. Kenny will dig deep, grab both legs, lean all the way Sit over. on top of him. Yeah, so it's great. It's great. One other thing he did to, to the knee that I loved was he did a figure four right after. Okay. I think it was right after that drop kick, And it just looks like... Like Okada's just dying from the pain. Yeah. And then uh, Omega drops Okada's knee on a table, which mm-hmm. is the third major appearance of a table in this <laughs> yep. feud. Um, this match kind of starts a running story. And we touched on this a minute ago, where we said Okada's been defending his title at a breakneck pace for New Japan. Mm-hmm. In this match, you get the first major hints that Okada is wearing out. Okay, that he's getting tired from all these hard matches. And so Kazuchika Okada is such a freaking great professional wrestler that not only does A, every match he is in has this amazing, well-told story within the match, but B, for about six months, there was a broader story within the story of every single match he had of him being worn out as champion and like him just getting more and more injured but still having to defend the title. Right. Amazing that and, he could pull and that not, off. Like just basically not giving into any sort of, you know, well, I'll just take this night off kind of thing. Like going out every time, making the crowd go home happy. Yeah. Um, Okada gets red ink at some point. Uh, Submission movie does. Love red ink. YouTube that. It's pretty cool. So like you said before, this match is an hour long, James. I don't, aside from me being crazy tired right now, I don't feel like there's any time that I would not be happy to watch this match. Like, an hour long doesn't feel like an hour long when you're watching this match. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Towards the end, it does. Like, there, it's not nonstop action. Um, the obvious comparison to this would be <laughs> the Iron Man match that you brought up of Sean and Brett. Right. Um, it's an hour long where nobody wins in, within that hour. And it's just like only those two guys basically could do that. Like they had an Iron Man match without calling it an Iron Man match. Yeah. Basically. They did. I want to say um, this match, just like the first match, is on the same card as a Naito versus Tanahashi match. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if I'm assuming a lot of our people don't know, those are two of the top ten wrestlers on the planet right now. This match tops at both times, which is insane. You'd think, like, oh, with people of that quality, some nights you're going to go, this will be the better match. Some nights these guys will put on a better show. I think, like, going into this night, we thought, or at least I did, like, that it, that probably was going to be better. I was just like, 
there's no way that this is going to be better than the first one. Like, yeah, they're just going to have some in. Like, do weird ending, job, you know. Yeah, like you said, Omega going to the U.S. They don't want to injure him or something right before <laughs> right. that. I mean, none of none of that stuff <laughs> seems to matter like to them. Like, right? He could he wrestled for a freaking hour and jumping they, on top of the rope and doing a moonsault. Like, they kept doing risky stuff that yeah. they repeated the spot where Okada gets Omega over the guardrail mm-hmm. in the crowd yep, yep. and then runs, jumps over the car guardrail, does a cross body and Omega lands in like seven or eight chairs that are empty and stuff. Yep. It just looks so reckless like you brought up in for, the last one. For the, um, for the podcast, I watched this, you know, whatever, a month or so ago. And then I watched it again today on my laptop, and I just kept, like, there'd be spots where I would, like, I have to show Jess, and I would, like, turn the laptop to her and just be like, look at this. Like, this is nuts. Mm-hmm. Having, like, four or five times where something was just, like, he's going to kill somebody doing that. And the next month, they were trying to basically sell the United States on New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Love that. So I mentioned the uh, dropkick to Okada's knee by Omega. That was a springboard off the top rope, which I loved. Okada hits a running dropkick outside of the ring that sends Omega flying six that was, feet That was one of the ones the that I... That was brutal looking. Yep. Okada's dropkicks are the best. Yeah, and again, that's Japanese strong style. Like, hey, how about if I just actually hit you? Yeah, how about I dropkick you? Yeah. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> for real. <laughs> um... See what else happens in this match. So Red oh. Shoes, I wanted to talk about Red Shoes for a second. Um, yeah. He's the that's the nickname for the referee. That's basically the um, the legendary referee in Japan, a la like Earl Hebner of the Iron Man match. <laughs> yes, um, he does a great job in this match of selling for both of them. He does. So there's a, he looks exhausted. He's it's selling crazy. The He's jumping the all over the place. Um, his, his counts are so like emphatic and everything. Yeah. There's, I think it's towards the end when he hits, um, is it when he, I think it's when he, Okada hits one of the rainmakers. He's, he's literally jumping up and down in the air but it's like to get to that side of the ring to count, but it makes you feel like we're all like jumping up and down in a bar, like that kind of like, you know what I mean? It's just helping sell the emotion of the match, and it's so good. Yes, yeah, I love him. Um, the theme of the table, we in the first match they use it twice. Once Kenny kind of stomps Okada with it, and the second time Okada does that insane backdrop from the back body drop from the middle of the ring over the top rope where Omega crashes through the table on the outside of the ring. In this match, uh, I brought up how Omega smashes Okada's knee into it. Later in the match, Okada gets Omega over a table and then drops an elbow through it to smash the table. So in both matches, Okada gets his revenge for that one winged angel through the table. So angry about it. Right. He (laughs) keeps putting Omega through tables. It's happened once in each match now. But I do think like there's a little bit of a storyline with that. Like it kind of bleeds over mostly to the third match, Mm -hmm. but it's showing the, the calm professional, like collected like champion, starting to really like kind of get angry yeah like he's got his number like you know he's just most of the time he can just go in wrestle 
you know, win and leave, and something about Kenny makes him, like, really get pissed off. Yeah, he loses his composure. Um, in the first match, I talked about three moves I never wanted to see again. One was the way they did a drop kick off the top rope. Cause Can like, I guess one of them once? Well, they do that again in this match. Oh, yeah. Just a brutal-looking drop kick <laughs> yeah. off the top rope where you think, if I took that, I would take off work for two weeks yeah. because I would not two want months, to get man. out of bed. Yeah. Uh, and it looks great. It looks so good. This might be the third match because I watched that also today. But there's a snap, um, snapdragon suplex on the apron. Yeah, that is so brutal. Like it is. Yeah, I'm <sighs> just like <laughs> they, that is not safe. <laughs> no, they tease doing one off the top rope again, and they don't. And I was like. Okay, good. And then they do one on the apron. Like, that's just yeah. as scary. <laughs> yeah. Something about the apron. Um, Okada does two flying moves off the top rope in a row. Um, he might be the most versatile wrestler in the world. Yeah. Um, the Cody Tao saga. Okay. Yeah. So we got to talk about the Bullet Club kind of falling apart here. And we'll talk about the, this more later. Yeah, this is very, like, early on in that. Um, it's basically... Cody had been brought Cody and this is Cody Rhodes. Yep. Had been brought in to be a part of the Bullet Club, right? Yep. So he left WWE and basically wrote a letter that he posted on social media explaining why and it was like essentially like they didn't do it like he's not blaming them for anything but he just wanted to kind of make like a name for himself outside of the WWE. Mm-hmm. Of course Interviews and things that he's done, he's done since. Of course, like he was pissed off at them, but <laughs> yes. regardless, the place that he went to make his name was the Bullet Club in New Japan. Um, so he starts out very like just kind of understated, not like you know challenging Kenny or anything like that. He's part of the group, um, learning who you know who's gonna be long term friends. Um, he kind of buddies up with Marty and Hangman. Yep, Marty um, Skrull, the villain so, that we talked about in our Decade episode. In the beginning of this match, like we said, in the first match, it's just the Bucks that come out with Kenny. Yes. But they add so much to these matches, by the way. As his seconds, you I can to hear, I don't that. know if it's because I was listening with headphones tonight, but like, you can hear like everything they're set, like, you know how like you see like um, managers like pounding on the ring apron and they're yeah. yelling for them to get up and stuff like Paul Heyman and people like that. This is like, you can hear everything they're saying and I'm sure that's intentional. And it's um, not unlike Bobby Heenan, you know, they add quality to the match just by being on the outside and shouting. So, so they're out there and basically, um, whatever th- halfway, three fourths of the way through, I think Omega had taken, he took um, a rain, a rainmaker and he kicked out, I think. Yeah. And then Okada gave him another Rainmaker. And he kicked out again, I think. But he's just like, he looks dead. Yeah. Uh, Okada's and, like and Okada, really on the on the tear. Yeah. And he kind of goes to the referee. So I was like, stop this. He's, yeah. I, I don't want to destroy somebody. E- everyone there is selling it. Like o- Okada, like the ref, like the announcers are saying that. The Young that. Bucks are young bucks flipping look out, like, you know. T- you know, concerned. So Ken, or, um, Cody basically comes from the back carrying a white towel, which is hilarious, as if, like, <laughs> that would do anything. <laughs> but so, yeah, there had been just some hints of tension between Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega at this point. They're in the stable together, the Bullet Club. 
but you get the impression Cody wants to take control. Kenny right. Omega is the leader of the Bullet Club. Cody wants to be the leader. So it's yeah. almost like a Sith Lord thing with the Bullet Club. For sure. To become the new leader, you have to destroy the old one. Yeah. And that's the way it's been. Balor to AJ to Kenny, and now Cody wants to take out Kenny. Yep. And so, like... He's going to throw in the towel. Like, he can't take it. He's not good enough to be with Okada. Let's save his career. Yep. And the Young Bucks stop him. Don Callis on commentary is like, what the hell is wrong with Cody Yeah, Rhodes? he's yelling for Cody to get out of there and everything. So they're they're physically holding him back. I think, basically, Kenny starts to make a comeback, and that stops Cody from, from doing it. Um, but then... They're all out there basically watching the rest of the match, cheering him on. So it's kind of like, yeah, you, it's in your head, you know, like Cody, Cody could be doing something. Right. Kind of. It's shady. Like when Cody did that, you're thinking he's not showing mercy. He just wants Kenny to lose. Right. Nobody believes him. And so, yeah, when uh, Okada goes up for another, I think another Rainmaker and like Kenny ducks this time and takes Okada down mm-hmm. and then like everybody in the Bullet Club, except for Cody, jumps up and cheers and starts yeah. shouting and omega tells cody to give him the towel and he like wipes his face off with it then like throws it at okada I, mean, like, I think he does the bang thing right after that yeah and does a like, v-trigger or something when rick flair survived that heart attack and the next day in the hospital he had a shirt that said i'm not dead yet mother efforts <laughs> this was like what omega was doing to weird how you had that here. printed up like <laughs> um there's a little glimpse too right after that of Okada like like we said like kind of snapping because a little bit later he grabs the towel and you know freaks out with it and throws it around and stuff he's just kind of lost it at this point so yes Kenny does some more V trigger like knee shots to the face those are always so brutal looking I love them yes um so what happens in a minute here is maybe. I've heard this called the spot of the year. <laughs> so, like, a spot in a match. So, Okada gets advantage again. And Kenny, again, he was, like, dead a few minutes before this, okay? So, Okada brings him up for a Rainmaker. And he stretches the arm out, and he pulls Kenny in to deliver the clothesline. And Okada swings for the fences with this clothesline. And you want to describe what happens, Josh? Kenny collapses. Yeah, like Kenny he, doesn't have the strength to maintain himself on his feet. Right, and it's not it's not ducking. It's he literally just falls. Yeah, and like you said, like it's so funny. Like I I showed Jess that again tonight. She's seen it before, but I was just like, the this is like the spot. But um, <laughs> I have a different one that I like even more later in the match. Though. In this match, yeah. Damn, James. <laughs> but um, yeah, keep going. But it's just so funny because it's like. Like what we've talked about before, where it's like Okada's finishing move is clothesline. Like yeah. the greatest spot of all time is somebody going for a clothesline and somebody not making it. Like, yeah, essentially, he just like passed out, sorry, he collapsed, and Okada lifts so but, hard he flies across the ring. But that's what's so great about both of these two is like something that mundane sounding can be the, one of the greatest spots of all time because it's like you're feeling all of the exhaustion of Kenny and all of like the desperation of okada and just like all of the emotion of 45 50 minutes into a crazy long match yeah so what's your what's your other spot so my other spot and i guess we're at this point uh the end of the match is there anything you want to talk about before we talk about the ending 
Well, is it is it the one winged angel spot? Oh no, we we haven't okay, talked about so, that yet. Okay, so basically, Kenny finally hits it. Um, yes. after getting him up five times in this match, and Okada yeah. like so like yeah in doing... the first match, Omega got him up like three or four times, but Okada countered every time. Yep. And, and there's there were a few different ways. One of them um, was kind of cool. He basically did the like sit on top of the neck, kind of punching that like almost like yeah. usually did to like a big man. Um, but finally, he hits it, and and Omega's been working on the neck and the back the whole match, right? To set up the one winged angel. So when he hit it, it would do the job. And it's, it's kind of similar to the collapsing. It's basically like Okada doesn't really do like a full-fledged like kick-out. He basically, it's so close to the ropes that he just kind of he just, lays he his leg over his leg on like the ropes. And it yeah. ends up being on the ropes. Yeah. Which, if you don't know, in wrestling is like enough to stop a count even if you're not kicking out. So. Yes. And so um, Omega going into this match, he mentioned he added on weight. He said, like, I'm going to be able to take more hits. So this, like, fourth attempt at uh, the one-winged angel in this match, Okada's still fighting it. Like, you know, he's sitting on Omega's shoulders. You know, he's punching his head. And Omega's just, like, absorbing this. Like, you can see him get dazed. At some point, he just, like, shakes it off, and he grabs Okada's head, and he delivers the move. He just happens to be by the ropes. Right. So it's not like he had bad positioning, like it's really obvious sometimes. It's like he had to fight to pull this move off. And yep. it just so happened, like when he got his composure enough to do it, he had stumbled near the ropes. And again, well, that's and another reason these guys are so good. And it's so perfect for both of them, because, like for even for Okada, that like he had reversed or fought enough to get Kenny like over towards the ropes to begin with. You know, It, it wasn't just like a happenstance, like he happened to be by the ropes. It was like... He pulled him over there before the attempt. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okada, you know, the match continues. Okada gets a drop kick. John, Don Callis, he was like, that GD drop kick. Yeah. Except he doesn't edit it like yeah. I just did. And there's like less than a minute left in the match. Okay. Okada gets him up. I think there's like a reversal sequence. And it ends with Okada hitting this massive rainmaker okay it's so hard that it flips kenny inside out yeah he goes backwards and okada they're both so exhausted they've been going 59 in minutes and like 20 seconds mm-hmm. okada goes forward so they flew essentially across from each other right in opposite directions and kenny again like he looked like he was out in the spot where cody came down he looked like he was out when he just collapsed and dodged the Rainmaker through being beat up, essentially. And now he really looks like he's just, like, unconscious. Like, mm-hmm. he's not kicking out. And the announcer, you know, like, they're, like they'll are like they announce times, you know, like 10 minutes remaining yep. and stuff like that. Sort of like the old NWA. They're on opposite sides of the ring. Omega's on his back. He's gone. And the you hear the announcer say thirty seconds, and they show. And this is my my got, favorite spot of the you. match. Uh, this was, I think, we had our decade awards. We didn't do the uh, favorite moment of the decade, favorite spot. This was my number two, just behind Oscar kicking out of the eclipse. Is this spot? They announced thirty seconds, and the camera shows Okada's face. And again, he had that war at Wrestle Kingdom. He's got this Dominion match. He's exhausted. He just hit his finisher that could finally win this match. And right. the announcer says, like, 30 seconds. 
and he's like almost on his back and you like see that register on his face for a second and he just has this look like not again come on and so he like grits his teeth and he rolls over and he starts army crawling towards Kenny Omega and so before he can make it to Omega the bell rings Yeah, 60 minute time limit expires so on one hand Okada keeps the title but Okada wanted this match to shut everybody up to prove he could beat Omega and what he proved was Omega is closer to beating him now than he was in January and so it was this great like Okada's like finally I beat him and then 30 seconds and he's just like you know just like you he you see the realization that he is defeated wash over his face not truly not defeated but like he's not going to win right and then you see like the Bret Hart will of the champion like I am not quitting and he just rolls over uses all his strength to army crawl and it's just this great dramatic struggle and then ding 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 before he can even reach an arm out to touch him time limit runs out loved it i love it too i it's weird because in the moment i did have a split second thought of like why like why didn't they do it in reverse right so why didn't they have it where kenny is about to win and can't make it because logic (laughs) tells you like we don't care if if Okada's going to pin him or not because he retains the belt if if nobody wins but like you said it's all about man i really thought like i could put this put this behind me and i know that if it's a draw there's going to be another match right. and i just don't know if i can take another match after all of this punishment that i've just been handed yes um it's weird with the i can't stop thinking about the Brett and Sean comparison now the end of the Iron Man match, Brett is super exhausted and has him in. Well, the end of the sixty minutes, mm-hmm. he has him in the sharpshooter. Sharp his finisher, and the bell rings. Of course, Sean doesn't tap, and he collapses. Right? It's yeah. just kind of like, oh, like all of that's over. And I'm sure, like, <laughs> it, it's not a movie. Like he really is exhausted from that yeah. sixty minutes. Um, but it's great acting. Yeah, it is. Also, there had been a history of draws at the June show um, in Osaka. Yep. Okay. So they've been doing these shows for a long time. There had been one match where it ended in a 60-minute draw. There had been one match that ended with a pinfall at 59 minutes, 59 seconds. So, like, the psychology of, like, this might go to a draw, it is June, you know, like, mm-hmm. once they're around 50 minutes, 55 minutes, you start thinking, like, are they going to do it again, but which way are they going to go? So, right. again, it keeps it unpredictable because they've gone both ways. So, even if you think they're going all the way, you're wondering, finish or, or draw? Which one, yeah. which, which one is it going to be? It's weird, you know, like, just this, the match is over and like we said before a lot of people like it more than the first one it's a draw (laughs) like (laughs) i just feel like if you would tell somebody going into that like we're telling everybody now it'd be hard to believe that it was that good you know Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, americans love a winner you know like (laughs) it's hard to get a lot of people into soccer for that reason like you you want to see a definitive winner um but this match is just so good and it tells such the it tells a story better than any match with a winner, you know, in the 
a lot of them could, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think not having a winner actually made it better because it sets up their next match in the G1 round robin tournament so well. But we'll talk about that in our next episode. So, Josh, I believe we touched on this, but just officially at the end. Yeah. You prefer this match to Wrestle Kingdom, yeah, correct? For sure. So you'd be with Dave Meltzer. This is the new greatest match of all time after seeing it. it in 2016, yes. Okay. So I will say, when I saw this um, the first time, I, I thought it was awesome. I was a little disappointed because I thought Kenny's heel tendencies weren't there as much as they were in the first match. But now after seeing the build, you know, getting that great Omega promo where he's saying, like, I just want to beat him and screw him. Once I do that, he's he's clearly not the better man. Right. I think I, I'm the one that made the match exciting. Seeing that promo, it made this match better for me. There was a line I forgot to mention that um, Kenny said, Okada, your, your job here is done. Essentially, like, you brought, like, this company back with the help of Tanahashi, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's up to a, like, world stage, and now I'm the one to take it from you. Yeah. To the rest of the world. The implication, you've made it as big as it can get in Japan. Yep. Good job. But we're going bigger now, and we don't need you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I will say, James, I'm ready to put Okada above Jeff Hardy in my top four. <laughs> is he above? He is above Billy Gunn too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> good, good. I don't know, man. After this match, I'm definitely like... Um, I know the last time we talked, Billy Gunn was one spot above Okada. <laughs> well, was it him? I thought that was... Uh, I thought that was Jeff. No, that makes Jeff sense. Jeff was, was yeah. I'll have to look at it, but I don't know. After this, this match and this whole feud... Mm-hmm he's like top 10 like he's just so good yeah um, yeah but anyway so yeah so the next time i think we'll probably do the rest of the feud we might break it up we'll see how it goes yeah we got three um, matches essentially we want to cover the round robin tournament um we'll talk briefly about a cody match with okada very briefly and maybe a bit more about the young bucks versus kenny omega and golden lover stuff yeah yeah there's a lot maybe two we'll see we'll see um but thanks for joining us um go check out that match if you need assistance in finding it message one of us uh it is worth looking up yes um until next time james there's three things that are certain in life one is uh actually you should do the first one being the life insurance guy <laughs> um <laughs> and i'm the um <laughs> guy that works yeah. with tax collectors yeah. so it's death taxes and, and randy, randy savage. savage see you guys next time <laughs>